Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. Each week, we dig deeper into the Sabbath School lesson. Now this quarter, we're looking at the Book of Daniel. Michael and I have the privilege to teach religion at Southwestern Adventist University. We both love to teach and have pastoral hearts. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral ministry experience. Although we share a lot of similarities, we also come with some unique perspectives. Buster has a passion for evangelism and church growth. He is just about to begin doctoral studies in how to revitalize churches. He's one of the most creative persons that I know, yet has a deeply caring heart. I look forward to when he preaches. And among other classes, he teaches preaching and leads out in our pastoral intern program. Buster is married to Lauren, who teaches English to ESL students, and they have two children, Neil and Raina. And right now, they're active with adventurers. I admire how he is very intentional to stay balanced by working out, lifting weights, and making time for family. Michael's expertise in, in areas of church history and theology. He and his family most recently served as missionaries teaching future pastors in Asia. He loves to write and has authored, co-authored, and edited seven books, including his latest on the 1919 Bible Conference. His wife, Heidi, is pursuing a PhD in early modern studies at Baylor. They have two children, Emma and David, and Michael directs their local church Pathfinders Club. So now, let's dig in into this week's lesson on the book of Daniel. All right, so Dr. Campbell, uh, let's go ahead and get started with this uh, first week's uh, lesson from reading to understanding. And the memory text starts off with this. It says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? I guess that's a question today. Do you understand what we are reading? I think a lot of people kind of wonder that thinking about uh, especially the books of Daniel and Revelation with all the symbolism that's there and to be able to unpack that it's going to be a rich quarter. Absolutely. And uh, this is why we've started this podcast is so we can get a little bit deeper. And so worldwide, we can come together and make sure that all of us are having the understanding that God wants us to have and that we can push each other a little bit more. I love it. Well, I'm so excited that we're beginning this lesson and not only to understand it, but right at the beginning, at the get go, a major focus of this first lesson is about how Christ is at the heart of the book of Daniel. Yeah, absolutely he is. And I was looking earlier at Luke 24, 25 to 27, and this is uh, Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And it talks about how he explained to, to his disciples who he was uh, all the way from Moses to the prophets, expounding the things concerning himself. And indeed, we see that Jesus is at the center of all scripture. Would have been amazing, amazing to be with uh, Jesus on that road, wouldn't it? <laughs> Would have been tre tremendous. And so I, I like that. And then right here at the beginning, it's, it's talking about how Jesus is the focus of all of the word of God and specifically that of, of Bible prophecy. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, not only prophecy, but we also see that he is uh, uh, in the Old Testament. He's New Testament. Indeed, he is at the center of it all. Well, I'm so excited. I, I have a confession, though. You know, when I was a young person thinking about the books of Daniel and Revelation, Bible prophecy, I was actually kind of scared thinking of all these end time events and what's going to happen. Well, I remember as a kid receiving in the mail those brochures and had those scary animals on it tied in Revelation and Daniel together. I, I was pretty much afraid as well. 
So I was just so relieved uh, some years later, and I discovered really uh, it, there wasn't kind of some secret formula that through which I could save myself. And I, I, I really, it, it just came back to Jesus being at the heart of Bible prophecy. Absolutely. And we're seeing that throughout all of history, he's had the intention to save us the entire time. Oh, I'm so, so thankful for that. And, and this lesson uh, really uh, digs a little bit into that, helping us to better understand uh, all of world history and where we fit into the big picture of, and to know that God has a plan and that no matter what happens on this earth, that God is still sovereign and in control. Yeah, which moves us into looking at the, even the structure of, of Daniel in Monday's lesson. And it gives this weird mean, uh, this weird word there. It's called chiastic structure. Can you explain to us what that is? <laughs> well, chiasm is this literary device that they used in Bible times, especially in the Old Testament. You'll see it also some in the New Testament, where the way someone would emphasize a point, just like we have ways that we communicate in, in English and different languages, but they would actually be very intentional to structure uh, methodically. So you'll see parallels between the beginning and end of a story. And so that increasing heightened sense of importance. And, and so you see the, the beginning and the end. And, and this actually features a chiastic structure in the book of Daniel, uh, the first half uh, with Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, where it's talking about these four kingdoms. Uh, and so, again, it's increasing importance. And, and what, is that, what is it pointing to, this chiastic structure? Well, well, this chiastic structure, what's so important about it is that right there in the middle oftentimes reveals the theme. We're looking at usually in the beginning or at the end, tells the full story. But here, uh, in the, the Hebrew literature and the Aramaic as well, you'll see that the important thing is right there in the middle, and which is the judgment upon Nebuchadnezzar and the judgment upon, upon Belshazzar. And God is showing us even there, you don't have to be a part of this judgment uh, because I have something better in store for you. But don't forget, there's a way that I have for you that you're called to follow. Judgment sounds kind of scary. It does. <laughs> but that's why we read uh, Sunday's lesson just before, because it shows us that in Christ, we don't have to worry about that. I, I love Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. You know, this reminds me of when I was a young person. My my grandfather was a judge for most of his career, and I remember visiting him in the summertime. And one time, I got to go to his courtroom and and sit there. And let me tell you, when I was sitting there, there were some very nervous people in that courtroom that were facing some pretty serious stuff. Uh, but you know, not for a moment did I ever question that. Uh, I, I wasn't afraid of the judge. Yeah, absolutely. He was my grandpa, and I knew he was on my side and that I loved him. And so I, I think that's one of the great things is that we're looking at judgment. Uh, if you're on the right side and you have that relationship with the judge, uh, not not in a favoritistic kind of way, but but you realize that that person's in your corner looking out for you. Um, when we realize that God is our judge, but he also wants us to be in heaven with him, that's just good news. You know, and this is also ties into this uh, this particular day's lesson, which is we see that God is working in history with us, for us. So the one who's in charge of judgment is also the one that's in charge of history. That's also the one that's in charge of our salvation. And all this, we realize he indeed is the one that's worthy to be worshiped and trusted. We can trust God. You know, I like that idea of knowing when I look around the world and the craziness of 
all kinds of things happening in the world, whether it's natural disasters or politics or whatever your, the situation may be, to realize that uh, wherever I may be, that that God still is sovereign, that God is someone who cares about me, and he ultimately is in control of the destiny of the human race. Absolutely. So, Michael, on Tuesday's lesson, it's about the apocalyptic prophecies in Daniel. Uh, can you expand a little bit more for us there? Well, you know, th that's a great question because one of the major focuses of the book of Daniel is Bible prophecy. And that's that's what we're calling it. And this is a, a great place to begin with because Bible prophecy is really connected to how we understand uh, the Bible. We call it classical prophecy here in the lesson. Uh, but basically, there's a long tradition in the history of the Christian church where people have taken uh, the Word of God to, to mean literally what it says, that when, when God spoke through those prophets and conveyed these uh, messages, that, that these— uh, in, especially in the book of uh, the books of Daniel and Revelation, that that God is foretelling the future, how the world world history is going to take place, and it's interesting to me as a as a church historian that that you can look through the history of the Christian Church and see how all the way from the early Christian Church. Uh, literally through the centuries that people have taken Bible prophecy, taken it seriously and recognized this historicist approach or this classical approach that Bible prophecy is indeed real and will be fulfilled. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, later on the lesson, it asks us here, uh, is Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, is it classical or, or, or is it uh, apocalyptic? Once again, it's asking. And uh, Jonah chapter 3, 3 through 10, those of you who are driving right now don't have a chance to open up your, your word, is basically talking about when uh, Jonah is arising and he's asked to go to Nineveh, but also uh, he's asking them to turn and relent and give their hearts back. And verse 3, 3, verse 10 says, Then God saw their works and that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster he, that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So what, if I'm hearing you right, uh, Buster, is uh, that, that God will predict the future, but, but some prophecy may be conditional. Ah, uh, that's the word. That's the word. Absolutely. And that, once again, shows us that we have choice in this. God is moving with us through history, and he is saying, this was going to happen. What are you going to choose? So for Jonah with Nineveh saying, hey, uh, wake up and change, uh, or, you know, these bad things are going to happen, which God obviously doesn't wish for that to happen upon them. But but there will be consequences to their actions. But uh, in this case, they actually paid attention and repented and changed. And so we have a different outcome uh, in the end. Yeah, very much so. So Wednesday lesson uh, goes on and asks us about God's time scale, which kind of ties in with the structure of Daniel, ties in with with prophecy. Uh can you tell me about this thing that's called a day-year principle? Yeah, great question, because uh, the, the Sabbath school lesson highlights in Numbers 14.34 and Ezekiel chapter 4, verses uh, 5 and 6. It's actually looking at how in Scripture uh, there's numerous places where you see that a day represents a year in Bible prophecy. And this is not some kind of a convenient uh, way to you know, try to reinvent the Bible prophecy. This is a, 
Uh, and this is why we call this the historical or classical approach to Bible prophecy, because literally people have interpreted a, a day for a year through the centuries of the Christian church. In fact, there's a, a great historian by the name of Leroy Froome who wrote these four huge volumes. You've probably seen them. Uh, the, the the prophetic faith of our oh, fathers, yes. huge, <laughs> huge set of books. And, and one of the great things that's a takeaway from the uh, all that research was he was showing how people through the early Christian church, through the medieval period, through the Reformation, on up to the present, have taken a year as a day in Bible prophecy. You, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, looking at God's timescale. We're looking at even how uh, early Christianity looked at uh, at ways of interpreting uh, the book of, of Daniel and book of Revelation. Can, can you share with me a little bit about the differences between the types? Uh, there's some people who believe that it's uh, everything in the book of Daniel Revelation is happening way in the future. Some people who believe that it's already happened in the past. And can you tell me a little bit about that? And, and what is it that we as Seventh-day Adventists believe? Well, that's that's a great question because, you know, we start getting to the Reformation. You've, you're looking at... Uh, uh, again, Luther and Calvin and others were applying that same day year principle. Luther is actually studying the same prophecy, saying, you know, the it's not going to be that much more in the future, but but looking and saying, you know, Bible prophecy is pointing towards something. In fact, uh, one of my favorite things to do I, is in, in the history of the SDA church, I love to pass around an original copy I have of Sir Isaac Newton's, I, I know I've showed this to you, Buster, the yes, you have. observations upon the prophecies of Daniel and the Apocalypse from 1733, where he's taking the same day your principle. So within the Reformation, we have people adhering to that same kind of principle. But what a lot of people don't know is there was the what is sometimes termed the Counter-Reformation or the Catholic Reformation, where ideas began to change a lot, and a response by two influential Catholic uh, scholars. One was by the name of Alcazar and the other one's Ribera. And these two guys basically came up with these two different other approaches that are mentioned in the lesson, preterism and uh, futurism. Preterism meaning, oh, Bible prophecy happened long time ago. When it said a day, it's actual day. So that's 2,300 days in the Old Testament or whatever. So that's what a, a, a number of years, not ah. 2,300 years. Okay. Or futurism it's going to happen way at some point in the future that who knows when it's going to happen. You don't have to worry about it. It's nothing to be too <laughs> concerned about because it's still way off in the future. And so that was their way to counter the Reformation or one way that they did that was to kind of put basically Bible prophecy way in the past or into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Which which also reminds us that I'm going to be careful how I say this, but a lot of people view God as timeless, but God chooses to be in time with us, which is also another reason why we have this historicist view of God is showing us what's going to happen, but he's also also in time with us. I like that idea to, to recognize that God is a real God. He's not so abstract. Uh, I think there's this danger with Platonic philosophy that there's some kind of ideal somewhere way out there, some kind of super force that's out there. But no, our God is a real God. He's a living God, and he enters into time and relationship with each of us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. And so let's go and move forward to uh, contemporary relevance of Daniel. Uh, uh, here it's talking about, it keeps bringing up this word. This word is sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. And as, as I was looking at that and, and reading over it, 
Uh, it even asks there towards the end, it says, what do these verses say about God's interest in our personal struggles? And I will share this with you. Daniel 9, 23, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out and I have come to tell you for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And we see here that God is showing Daniel Daniel, not only do I care about my children in the future, I care about my children in the present, and I cared about my children in the past, and God is with them, but we also see that God is is moving with his children once again in real time. I also like the observation that God is a part of history, as someone that loves history. You know, you can break down that word history into two words, his story, how God is engaged in human history. And and that's another aspect that we are reminded of in the book of Daniel that we're going to see uh, very soon in our, our second lesson uh, of this quarterly is looking at how God uh, reminds us. And I, uh, one of the things about history that's interesting to me is that you look at the ancient Babylonians, the Egyptians, they like to talk about all their accomplishments. But in the Bible, we see not only the accomplishments of of luminaries of of scripture, but we also find out their mistakes. And so this is the story of how God engages with humankind. And and sometimes that means that we have to acknowledge we make mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, and that's one of the hardest things to do, right? To recognize that we make mistakes and in the midst of that, recognizing our need for a savior. Recognizing, recognizing the need that we need someone to help us to understand, which ties it all, everything all into, uh, together, which is Philip there in the beginning. You know, do you understand what you're reading? And then here uh, we find here the sovereignty of God. God is saying, you understand by asking me, how can I understand? Here we are, the opportunity to learn from our past. Amen. Well, moving right along, it's it's gone very quickly, this, this first uh, episode of this new quarterly. Uh, but I just want to mention that I, I think this is a great opportunity as we're just delving into the book of Daniel to open your Bible and, and read these passages uh, with this first, uh, especially this first lesson. Because, you know, wherever you may be in your own walk, uh, this is a, a, a opportunity to be reminded that God cares about each and every one of us. Absolutely. Not only does God care, but God is also in control. And it's okay for us to let go of control so that he can be in control of our lives. And so with that, I believe this is Swoops and Soups signing out, right? Soup and Swoops. Let's do it. (laughs) As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.